Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. Well, hi guys. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, How many of you had a curfew growing up? Okay, I did as well. Um, How many of you still have a curfew when you go home from college? Because I do, and I'm almost 22 years old. Um, My parents were very strict about curfews for me in high school. And like I said, they still are today, almost 22 years old. It does make sense, but my mom does set them for me. So in high school, if I walked into my house a minute past 10 o'clock, I could be certain that Nancy would be up waiting for me, sitting at the dining room table, ready to reprimand my neglect of her time restriction set on my weekend. I am the oldest sibling, so I think I got the most restrictions set on my weekends, which is super unfair. Um, And now my brothers have it way easier. So um, I will admit that I watch in some anger and awe as today my 18-year-old brother comes home and leaves whenever he wants at his leisure without any explanation. And I just have to sit there and wonder, why did I have it so strict? But I just learned to smile and nod and not ask questions at this point. And it was hard to be obedient to this time limitation. I felt like my mom was trying to take away the fun. A lot of my friends had cooler parents, and they could stay out as late as they pleased. But I had to be the one leaving in time to make it in the driveway before 10 o'clock came. I didn't really see the benefit in obeying this time restriction of my mom, and I really only did it because I felt like I had to do whatever my parents were telling me. I honestly just thought it was dumb, and my mom was super mean for setting this time restriction on my life. So I say all this to ask, what does obedience mean to you? Is it honoring your parents' curfew that they set each weekend in high school? Does it mean getting up every day for your 8 a.m. that you really don't want to go to? Is it following a workout regime or meeting a goal number of books that you promised yourself to read for your New Year's resolution? Most of the things that I listed are restrictions or rules that we feel pressure to adhere to because of the authority placed in our lives. And growing up, I viewed God and his command for obedience in the same exact way. I felt that I was being obedient to God because of the boxes I was checking. I went to church every Sunday, I sat in the front pew, I volunteered with my youth group, I went to religious education every week, and I prayed the right prayers that my priest told me to after confession. In my mind, I was doing a pretty good job compared to everyone else at obeying God. The obedience that I thought was pleasing God and racking up points in his his book of good and bad was basically a a set list of to do's that I placed on myself. There was no joy in living what I thought was an obedient life, and it was not coming from a place of wanting to follow God. If you asked me back then in high school, Reagan, what are your chances of going to heaven? I probably would have told you that I have about an 85% chance of going to heaven because I was a pretty good person and I tried to do all the religious things that I could. I was obedient to God in some ways and was trying to do enough right things to outweigh the bad. But I was missing the key point of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, Paul reminds us of the sweet truth found within the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us on the cross. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to begin with reminding you all that our salvation and the, fa- and the faith that we get to hold is found in what Jesus has done for us. We're gifted this relationship with God because he sent his son to pay the price for our sins that we deserved. There are not enough good things in this world that we can ever do to be enough for that, but thankfully Jesus already is. If you're in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. I want to show you now what that truth can mean for our lives, to stop striving and instead walk in both the freedom of Christ, which goes hand in hand with the obedience that he asks of us. So like I said before, the word obedience has a strong connotation with restriction. And for a long time, I was really hesitant to fully trust God and obey him in all areas of my life because I feared that it would mean I would have to give up things that I enjoyed. I loved God, but I also loved a lot of the things that I felt God would ask me to step away from if I truly wanted to follow him in full obedience. I honestly just didn't think following Jesus fully would be all that fun, but I can tell you tonight that I was so wrong. We're going to be looking at scripture from Matthew 16. At this point, Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. His disciples are with him as Jesus gives them further teaching and wisdom about standing on guard in their faith. He then tells his disciples what is going to happen next. I'm going to start in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, let's break down this chapter. Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he is going to have to suffer many things in Jerusalem some horrible, really dark things, including death on a cross, but then explains the hope that they can look to that he will rise from the dead three days after dying. Super casual. The disciples don't believe him, and essentially they're thinking, it's not that deep, Jesus. It's not that serious. Everything's good. You just got to chill. As it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. I think a lot of us, including myself, can get into this mindset. We love God and we hear all that he's asking and commanding of us, but our hearts don't necessarily believe that it's all that serious. Sure, God may tell me that I shouldn't break laws, defile my body, cuss, dishonor my parents, the list continues, but does it really matter? We like to hear all the easy, breezy parts of faith, but when it it gets uncomfortable, we don't want to hear it. This is one of the first reasons We neglect obeying God. We don't understand the weight of our choices and putting the world's voice above his. 
Maybe some of you have been here before, and I definitely have. For a while, I didn't understand the weight of putting things above God. I was living in a half-in, half-out way of following Christ. I read my Bible with a lens that was comfortable to me, cherry-picking the parts that I liked and ignoring things that just weren't easy for me to understand. I can tell you that there is no half-following Christ. To put it quite honestly, you either are or you aren't. It might seem appealing to walk in sort of obedience to God, but I promise you it's not worth it, and I can tell you this from experience. Half-obeying God left me feeling lost, confused, insecure, broken, and far from God. And that's exactly what sin does. It takes you further than you want to go, for longer than you want to stay, for more than you want to pay. We gain nothing if we were to have the absolute world if we aren't, don't have Jesus within our lives. I've walked both sides, and I can stand here today telling you that a life lived for God is a life of abundance and comes with a peace and joy that the world will never fill. Returning back to the story in Matthew 16, Jesus responds to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have the, minds, the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Even Jesus is saying, the things that are going to keep me from God, I don't want in front of me. A mindset on the world can't be focused on God. We can't have a divided spirit, trying to please both the world and God at the same time. Jesus continues in Matthew 16 by telling his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. I'm going to repeat that again. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. To follow Jesus, we're going to need to deny worldly desires and truly put him first in everything that we do. Okay, that sounds really daunting, and I understand that it might be overwhelming to hear the word deny, but I want to encourage you that the joy from God is unexplainably better than anything that the world has to offer. I've been in a place before where I didn't even know what to start in terms of obeying God and denying myself of worldly desires. I didn't really even know what that meant, and I felt way too far from God to know where to begin. It can be difficult to identify a place to start in following God when you don't feel conviction over what God may be asking of you. This is the second reason why we may not be obeying God over certain areas of our lives. We don't feel conviction, and therefore we just think it must not be real. The truth is, you're not always going to feel a strong sense of conviction. I would argue at first you probably won't, as your heart is not quite there yet. There are still things in my life that I don't feel conviction over all the time, but that's a huge part of faith. It's not dependent on our feelings, and God does not depend on human feelings either. He remains the same. So maybe you're tracking with me and understanding that there are things God asks us to obey in, but you feel like there's too much to even know where to start. I went through a season in college where I was neglecting most areas of my life in following God because I wanted to please both the world and Him. God was something I thought about sometimes on Sundays, but the rest of the week I was focused on pleasing the world and just doing things to build up myself. It left me feeling really broken, sad, and just far from God, and I didn't like that feeling, but I also just felt like there was nothing else for me to do. I can pinpoint that this came to a head around my 20th birthday. 
I had a birthday party, and it seems like this girl should be so happy. She has a boyfriend. She's surrounded by so many friends. She's doing great in school. And essentially, I had all the things that someone would say are the true college experience. You would think she would be so fulfilled at this time. But none of it mattered because I wasn't thinking of God. I felt really, really broken. But I didn't even have the time to sit with God and think about it because of all the distractions that were keeping me from really processing how I was feeling. But God got me alone with a little thing called a pandemic where I was sent home and finally I had to sit with God and face the reality that I wasn't taking my faith seriously. And I finally decided enough was enough. It was a slow refining process of following God, starting with breaking up that relationship that wasn't pushing me closer to him, what was actually pulling me down in a lot of ways. I saw the ways that following God has changed my life for the better. I became a much better friend with the people around me, and those are some of the friendships that I cherish cherish to this day. I know that God gave me a lot of people in my life to bless me at TCU, and although sophomore year was a really dark time in my life where I just really didn't like TCU, I felt like this wasn't the place for me, I now am so sad to be leaving in a couple months because of the people that God has blessed me with at this incredible place. The third reason why we may not be walking in full obedience with Christ is because we believe that the lie that we just don't have the strength to do so. And this is what kept me in that place from so long for truly following God. I felt that I was too far, and I had tried to pick out certain sins in my life, but they just seemed to keep coming back. So maybe you've been here. I want to show you why our gaze should be fixed on God and not necessarily the things that we are failing at. I'm going to need your guys' imagination here. I'm going to borrow an illustration that I watched our pastor at Christ Chapel once used that has stuck with me to this day. So think of a vase with dirty water inside. This illustrates us, and the dirt is the sin in our lives. So you can try and sit and pick out things in your life, trying to pick out gossiping or lying, but the water still stay murky and the other pieces remain. And this can be super frustrating when you're trying to pick out sin in your life because it seems like there's nothing you can do to fully clean the glass. So now we have another glass of water. And this water is completely clean. And this water represents God, the living water. So we take that glass, pour it into the dirty glass, and the dirty water overflows, and suddenly the glass is made clean and pure again. I like to think of this visual when I'm trying to deepen my walk with Christ and look more like him every day and obey him in all that I do. The freedom in the gospel is that Jesus already paid the price for salvation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We can come before God with all of our baggage and all the things that we don't like that we keep doing, all the things we grip tightly to that we don't want to give up, and just ask him to do the work. God is the living water that washes us and transforms our hearts. I want to remind you that this isn't some quick fix. This is a whole life process of coming before God with the things that you're struggling with and asking him to help us get through them. You're not going to get to a level 10 Christian where you're totally perfect and there aren't things you're failing at. It's the whole point that we're all broken, we're all sinners, and we all have stuff that we need to work through. But God doesn't care. He wants you to come to him with that. And once I learned this difference, that's when my relationship with Christ truly changed. We can trust that God is a good father and he will sanctify us through his incredible power. That's what I want to encourage you with tonight. 
Obeying God can just start with coming before him and asking him to show you what things he may be asking you to walk away from so that you may walk in greater freedom hand in hand with the Father. There is no pressure on all of us to have it all figured out because honestly, you never will. As we sit with him, seek him more, ask the spirit to work within our hearts, we slowly will grow to have a more kingdom mindset. Our hearts will start to desire things that please God and it will slowly start to lay down things that don't. So what did obedience change in my life? As I began to ask God to show me what he wanted me to start adding into my walk with him, I felt closer to him. Now, I don't want you to think that this has to be a whole plan to tomorrow, I'm going to start reading my Bible every single day for an hour for the next whole week, because that's just not realistic, and it wasn't for me either. I began with 10 minutes for five days a week. I was going to try and get in my Bible and just sit with God. And slowly that became 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then every day I was thinking more and more about God. I was asking him to give me peace when I felt anxious. I watched as he delivered me from that depression and anxiety that had such a strong hold of me my sophomore year. My faith was more than just going to church. And there are still days where I have to remind myself who I am living for, but God did the work in my heart, and he continues to, and I can trust that he will for the rest of my life. Other things that we can do to start adding into our walk with God are going to church, surrounding ourselves with people who love him, talking about him more, or something I thought about is adding in worship music when I'm walking to class rather than just listening to rap music, which I still like, but I'm adding in worship music more and more. I suddenly had a deeper desire to sit with God and spend time with him every day. I enjoyed my time in my Bible and in prayer, and I watched as he delivered me from things that were holding me down. My mind and my spirit became more and more fixed on him. There are so many distractions in this world, especially in college. A lot of us can feel the pressure to try and keep up with people, to be popular, to have the most friends, to have the best Instagram, but it's all truly fleeting. The only thing that lasts is God. When we finally take time to shut those distractions out and just focus on him in full obedience, we can finally hear the stillness of his voice. And then we're not going to feel that pressure to keep up. We won't have insecurity to try and get the perfect Instagram or focus on how many parties we can go to and compare it with other people. We will have confidence in our friendships because we know they're rooted in actually wanting to spend time with people. They're rooted on real things. Jude Chapter 1, verse 24 says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I read this verse to remind you that it's not out of our own strength to pursue a life towards Christ and praise God for that. We can turn from sin and walk in full obedience to his command because of his power. We can turn to him and ask that he would start to change our hearts, convict us, and move mightily within us. Community is another crucial part of holding each other accountable and learning what ways we can walk deeper in obedience to God. What I love most about Chi Alpha Life Groups is that there's no expectations for anyone to join. You can belong before you even believe. Vulnerability is something that's encouraged, and I've seen how being plugged into a life group in college gave me a space to walk with other believers, ask questions, and push each other closer to God. I never felt scared to ask even the most silly of questions or to admit things that I was struggling with and understanding why God was asking me to walk away from certain things or work through certain things that I was struggling with. I was able to walk alongside people to grow in understanding and faith that he knows what's best for our lives. 
I'm going to leave you with a prayer that I began to pray in high school, and I continue to pray every day as I try and look more and more like God. I encourage you to pray this prayer to the Father tonight. God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? Obedience is not always easy or desirable, and there, are things, there will be things that you don't understand why God is telling us to do at first. Look to him for guidance and understanding, and be assured that he has said those who seek will find. He will slowly help your heart look more and more like Jesus. Obedience may look different right now for each of us. We're all in different seasons of our lives. Maybe it's opening up your Bible for the first time in a long time. Maybe it's reaching out to a friend who has never heard the love of Jesus before. Maybe it's letting go of a relationship that's not pushing you closer to God or it's not making you a better person. Maybe it's letting go of a sin pattern that you just can't seem to get out of. Take the time to pray that God would help you tonight start the first step of obedience. I promise you that this will change the trajectory of your walk with God in your entire life, as it has done the same for me. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.